welcome to Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk with your host, C.J. Reynolds. And there it is. Bam. Welcome back, everybody. Um, had the week off last. Had a couple weeks off recently, um, but I was having a week last week. And so before I jump in, I want to talk about that. The... Um, <clears throat> the school year for many of us has been very hard. I'd love to know who's having a great school year. That's those. I Someone wanna... posted that in our group. Really? They said like, everybody, is it uncommon? They, in a few, quite a few people said like, they're actually it. having good years. I love it. Yeah. I, like, so I, I had a really great day the other day, but here's what I'm thinking about. And it's really, uh, I'm always looking for what I'm supposed to be learning through the things that I'm going through. And sometimes those are more evident than others, but one of those things recently has been that uh, I, I've often talked about this idea that was shared with me called you have to figure out your pain plan to know what you want to do um, in in case of emergency. Right. Like the first aid kit needs to be put together before someone gets hurt. So you're not running around looking for stuff. Right. Unless you're in my wife's car and then the, then it's where's the first aid kit it could be anywhere. Um, so. <laughs> I've been thinking a lot about like when you start to feel down, when you start to feel depressed, when you start to feel overwhelmed, what are those things that you're going to do that are going to help you to um, get in front of some of those things, right? You can, because you, you, you can hope about it. You can pray about it. Those are all important things, but like, are you, what else are you doing that is putting you like you were playing an active part in, in your own healing. And so I, had a very difficult week, had a good day Friday, but Friday was because I went rooting around the basement of the school again. Like this is something I used to do. And I just look for weird stuff. We have so much turnover at our stuff. It's never a surprise that you just find like random weird ass stuff in the basement of the school. So I found a walkie talk, a toy walkie talkie with a holster. Right. And so I put the holster on, like I'm an old guy with like a phone clip or a case on the side of my, my belt. And I found a gavel. And so I that's how I started class all week was with the gavel, just hitting the gavel on things and asking for attention or telling someone they're being out of order or they're going to be held in contempt of class or any order in the classroom. It was endlessly hilarious to me. I didn't even care if anyone else laughed because usually they don't. They're usually just me laughing. And then I walked around with this walkie talkie all day and was like, like reporting kids or like saying like, all right, someone's coming to class now uh, or that we have uh like code red, we have Tom Foolery on the second floor. There's Tom Foolery happening on the second floor. And then I would just like, like I was being tough, like put it back into the holster afterwards. Like I just handled some stuff. That was good. Friday night, as part of my birthday gift, it was my birthday yesterday. Uh, <clears throat> my wife got had made me an appointment at a float tank, uh, also known as the sensory deprivation tank. So you basically are like in a bathtub in a closed room that's completely dark. Well, you can choose, but I did completely dark uh, with music on and you can get it with music off too. And you lay in about 10 inches of water, but there's a thousand pounds of Epsom salt in there so that you float on top. You can't even, if you tried, push yourself down because you just float up to the top. For an hour, I sat in this thing in the dark um, in water that's the same exact temperature as my body. So you don't really even, you, you, you lose sense that you're in water and just feel like you're floating. And it was like an instant reminder to me that like, 
I need to be more proactive in what I need to do when I start feeling things go out of whack. So I should be doing general, general maintenance on my body, just like I would my car. But then when I start to hear something, like I have to know, like, who's the mechanic? Where am I going to? How am I going to check in about this? Do I want to get a friend to come and listen? Like, it, it's just been, that's been a really good lesson to me this weekend um, and led to having a really wonderful part of why I had a really wonderful weekend. So with that, this is <clears throat> Sunday night teacher talk. Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was, I was just going to tell everybody where they were. Sunday night teacher talk. This is a place where we explore and express what it means to be the teacher you're called to be. So if you have questions, drop them in the chat. Um, you can put a little, you can write question next to it or put a little cue next to it so that we know. And then don't be weirded out when other people start talking to you because I'm not the only person that's going to talk. Other people are going to jump into this thing too. And um, that's just how we roll. What you I got, was buddy? I going to say, you answered John Lopez's question. He was asking, did you have a lovely birthday yesterday? I Could did. Could you share with everybody what type of birthday party you had? Uh, I had a Fortnite birthday party. <laughs> and I'm not kidding. Balloons. The whole, my, wife is, my wife is an expert, like, birthday celebrator. She is like, it's she's just so good at it. So like the balloons match the ribbons, match the cake, match the wrapping, match the decorations. Like, um, and why why did I have a Fortnite birthday party? Because you play a lot of Fortnite. (laughs) When CJ relaxes, that's what I and I always find this to be really hilarious because it's not really relaxing. I've played Fortnite. It it like leaves you on like a heightened and anxious and like tense. But it's something that you like to still go do. I don't know. For relaxation. Or for fun, I should say. Yeah. Reminds me of House of Cards. I mean, that guy ended up being a psychopath. But, uh, you know, reminds me of House of Cards. Okay, let's answer so, some questions. let's do it. All right. Our first question is coming from Zahara. Is saying, hi, I'm thinking about having a cereal party in one of my classes. How should I set it up? How many boxes of cereal and gallons of milk do I need? I have 30 students. I mean, can we you. start with a better question? I know, right? I swear. Could we start with a better question? <laughs> so there's a couple of different ways to do this. <clears throat> I would buy more than I need because, um, like, milk milk lasts really long now. I got a I got a fridge when uh, organic milk lasts long. Oh, is that? It lasts like a month. The expiration date is really long. All right, so organic. Regular. I always buy organic milk anyway, which is funny because I'm, I'm going to give my kids Fruit Loops. I don't know. Maybe I feel like those balance one another out. So. I generally go to like a like a really big box store like BJ's, Costco, Sam's Club, something like that, because uh, you get more cereal for your money. Or I go to like my local grocery store, but I wait for things to go on sale um, or bring a coupon so that you can get stuff cheaper. Because what you're trying to do is like ma- so if you have a set amount of money that you can spend on this, you can maximize that money. Um, we go to Party City to get plates and uh bowls and spoons but that's just because i like gold i like gold spoons no, i don't get those at party city i get it's them not, at target the gold spoons are from no, i thought yeah. we got them at party city they have them at both but they're cheaper at target oh all right party so there you go um and then uh i for cereal oh gosh i never figured out i should figure this out like how many boxes of cereal feed a kid if I do the mini boxes, because sometimes I'll get those because I can get them at BJ's, I get kids two mini boxes of cereal. So like when you get like those value packs with, and they always have like four good things and like one thing of cornflakes that like, I don't know, maybe your grandpa was visiting and that's what he wanted. Uh, so that that's what I'll do. Or um, 
I'm just thinking. Oh no! All right, this is on the right internet. My bad. Sorry, ADD brain. I thought it was on the other oh, internet because yeah. we use the printer. Um, but I would buy more than I need. But just you can also hold on to your receipt, and then you can just take back whatever cereal you don't use. Uh, the things to be careful of. Some kids don't like milk; they're lactose intolerant. So I always buy like almond milk or silk or some milk alternative um some kids don't even want milk they just want to eat the cereal uh my daughter's like that and she's weird i think she gets it from my wife's side of the family but um and then uh there are kids that are gonna have peanut allergies so i find out ahead of time who has a peanut allergy and i just make sure that i have stuff some kids can't even that have severe peanut allergies can't even be in the room so i got my uh co-teacher bought me um Part of my gift was she got me Reese Puffs because it's my favorite cereal. And uh, Turtle was sitting at my desk. He has a severe oh, yeah. peanut allergy. And so I, it was there. And then he likes to mess with me. I go, bro. I said, I, I'm being serious. I go, I forgot. She just gave that to me. Let me move it. And he goes, now I'm going to touch it, Reynolds. Now I'm going to touch it. He touches the <gasps> box. And I'm like, I'm going to put that EpiPen in your jugular. <laughs> if you, if you, because I can, because I know his mom. And she's not playing. I'm like, bro, I forgot. And he's she like, now I'm going to touch it. And I go, I know there's no peanuts on the outside of the box, but I just didn't want him to get sick. So, um, yeah, so that is, that's So I don't have a number, but I'd overestimate and then just return. That's, that's always my, my jam and buy stuff on sale. Uh, and yeah, cinnamon toast crunch though. I'll, I'll I will say this cinnamon toast crunch is going to be maybe your number one. Um, Reese puffs. Cause the song also, and what's another, I feel like lucky charms is a favorite too. Like those three Captain are like, Crunch? Uh, Captain Crunch is like chewing seashells. Um, it, is. it starts to hurt the roof. It hurts. But <laughs> peanut Captain Crunch doesn't, but, or crunch berries don't either. So you could just buy the crunch berries. If you really want to maximize your exposure to, to uh, red dye, yes. just get the crunch berries. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Well, our next question is coming from Laura. Um, Laura, thank you for all the kind things that you said. Her question is, how do you handle conversations with parents who are in um, continual denial of their child's academic and or behavior struggles? Ooh. I try to build trusting relationships with families, but after a round of recent conferences, a few are still not hearing my concerns for their child. Um, I think ultimately, look, those parents are going to have to live with the their consequences, right? Like you, you can only do so much as an educator to help parents understand. And if they don't, they don't. Um, what I end up doing though, is the same way that I deal with like parents that don't think their kids, like, let's say that like, they don't think their kid is being an, a problem in class. Um, I, I'm going to say this begrudgingly because I don't want to like that. I, that I like this. We've been using kickboard in class and um i really like it. it it is like and i don't i don't want to i don't want to like it um be, because i don't want to spend that much time on behavior but what it allows you to do is just like wow and i don't want to and i have to use my phone to use it um and i don't like the fact that the school doesn't pay me for my phone they're just taking advantage of the fact that i paid for my own phone and that's a whole nother conversation but um they like you can put in all these like little things so that you're just noting, you're just noting if someone's off task, if they're being belligerent, if they're out of uniform, if they're not doing what they're supposed to do, if they relate to class, 
without making a big deal of it or keeping notes. So like I used to just write notes to myself and that can be messy. And, and then afterwards, I don't even know what the hell I was talking about because I was trying to do two things at once. And it's easier for me to just do that. Um, that keeps a record of those things. And then I find that if I can get kids to keep a record of their own stuff, that helps. So, so all right, let me say it like this, Laura. There is always a kid that's doing something in school that I'm not hard enough on the beginning of the year. Sometimes I create leniency and sometimes that pays off because they, they don't become a problem leader. Sometimes I wish, oh my gosh, I've been letting this kid go for a month, two months on this thing. Now it's getting out of hand and the parents are like, how come it's the first time I'm hearing about it? Or my kid doesn't do that or that never happened or he said he didn't do it. And so what I start doing then is starting to keep a record of things as we go. And then also making that transparent. So that at the end of the week, one of the reasons that I do a weekly tracker at the end of the week is so kids can note what is my grade now? What lessons that were, what, uh, what did I miss this week? And how am I going to do better next week? And then also, I think there's one on there. I, I put this on occasionally, which is like, uh, what did I do well on? Like, what do I feel good about that I did in class this week? So then it becomes this thing that like a kid has to fill out, then they have to take it home and get it signed just so I know your parents saw it. And that keeps everybody in the loop. So if your kid isn't doing well and you see that they're missing these assignments, then that becomes a conversation. Or I, you can write that parent an email every week and you don't, nobody knows that it's only that parent, right? Like I don't write a parent email to every parent every week, but you can just write an update. Hey, this is how things went in class this week. This is what's going on. This is what we have to expect for next week, whatever. Um, or create like a newsletter for your class, something like that. But it is keeping that parent in the know so that more than anything, there's a written record of that, right? It's not a phone call. It wasn't a conversation. It is written, documented things that are happening in class, whether it's on Kickboard, whether it's an email, whether it's a take-home thing, whether it's a newsletter. Um, and then I often CC my administration on that as well because I want them to know what's going on too. And sometimes I BCC them so the parent doesn't even know, but it's like, Hey, look, I just want the admin to be like in the know that this is what I'm dealing with in case parents push too hard or they want to come up to the school. And then you can have that conversation. Like you can have that conversation and like people know about what's going on. Our next question is coming from Jacob. Hey, Reynolds, I have to record a lesson for my resident uh, EDU program. Do you have any tips to make the video lesson really great? Anything I should highlight in the video? Thanks so much. Uh, a lesson from my hmm. hmm. I, I mean, Jacob, I'm uh, like, is this something that students would watch and learn from? Is this just so they can see what you're doing and it's recorded and you can reflect on it and they can reflect on it? Um, you know, I think it is if. Let, let me try. Let me try and answer it this way. I find that when making when I was making videos for my students last year uh, during during COVID, or really the year before, I didn't do it so much last year uh, because it's just impossible amount of work to get done every day. But um, it was. I love putting music in it. I love. I and everything when I. He said it's for his teaching license. He said it's for my teaching license. So. It's like a class right. project. So what I would do is um, have an objective. Here's what you're going to learn. 
And then this is where we're going to get to by the end of it, right? So we have a very clear path of like, this is what is going to be learned. And this is how we're going to get there. And then we're going to get to this end, right? This is what I want kids to know. So start with the end in mind, reverse engineer that, and then try and differentiate as much as possible. So I might look like if I was teaching inferences, right? Uh, I might start off with um, like a number of memes or um, something of that nature. Like here's a bunch of memes. Well, what can we infer that the meaning is? It doesn't say what the meaning is, but how can we infer? How can we make an educated guess based on on the content that is presented? I might then do a really quick round of uh, charades, right? We often do this where we split the class into two groups. They get a word and they have to, they have to see um, how many, the people in their group, we have to see how many uh, things they can guess in a certain amount of time, right? So you have a bunch of cards with like football player, hammock, uh, rock band, different stuff like that. The dog's doing weird stuff over there. Um, so they, uh, the, this is real life kids. Um, so then that's inferences as well. Then we might read a really short story like um, Oh Henry's After 20 Years, right? And then we, there's a number of inferences that you have to make in that story. And then get to the end where you create like an exit ticket or something of that nature where you're going to check for understanding to make sure that kids understand what an inference is, know how to use it, know how to identify it. And so that's like a pretty concise lesson that takes you through this. I want you to learn what inferences are and to be able to identify them and to be able to make them. And then here's how we're going to get there. And at the end, we're going to check and see if we were able to do that. That's that. So that, that's what I would do. Um, what else could you do? I mean, you could have fun with the video and you, I mean, I don't know how this works with your program, but like whether you're using editing software to, to create something fun, whether you're um, playing music over top of things. I play music over a lot of stuff in my class. So like, as those kids are doing that game, I would have some kind of game show music going on behind it. As we're reading the story, sometimes I intro the story by reading parts of it with, with music or playing music at the end of it, or, um, as they're doing their exit ticket, it's like playing very calming. Like I use, I, I play, uh, hip hop beats all the time, but you can just as easily like use jazz or classical, anything without, without words in it. Cause you don't want anyone to sing along, uh, cause it's distracting. And then, so you're, you're kind of like, like a DJ navigating this whole space and experiences and what we're doing. Plus that is getting kids to sit. They're doing close reading by themselves. You're reading to them. They are up and out of their seats. So you're differentiating learning. You are connecting it to their lives. You are connecting it to something they're already interested in because they're doing memes. Um, so it's, it's, it's all that sort of inclusive piece of it. All right. Our next and, oh, last thing also differentiate for students with that might have specific special education, like IEPs or needs or, or something of that nature. So it's like, what does my room look like and how am I accommodating for kids um, with, with like different learning differences? Our next question comes from Maisha. Question, is it possible, and we kind of talked about this a little bit. She's saying, question, is it possible to not have a horrible school year this year? She said, I have my stressors, but I am not experiencing the extreme level that my colleagues at my school are experiencing. Yes. Um, and here's what I love about that. I think Maisha, that, um, that we often like, 
I know that I sometimes feel bad that I'm having fun. I, I'll be honest with you. Like we were just talking about this this morning. The older I've gotten, I, I'm having a hard, there's a lot of hard things going on in my life right now. But like overall, my life is so unbelievably blessed and I just love it so much. I like love my kids so much. I'm in this real sweet spot with Brody right now where like he went to like, angry teenager sassy land and now he's kind of coming back a bit and like we've been going to the gym together and hanging out and having these talks and it's been really fun like our relationship is overall like it is 97 percent like amazing and then wow, i already gave us a 98 i was saying 97 <laughs> yeah i mean still then you only have two percent more things to work on and then it'll be perfect um so <laughs> i i really get along with my dog right now like it's just such a magical place and and a place of such possibility that we're moving into that I just love. And sometimes I think we can feel bad about that or like we're missing something like, man, am I just missing something that like I should be more miserable? Um, I think, and look, because other teachers might get aggravated. Like, you know, look at Hutchinson. She's not she's like, she's just living the damn dream. Like we're all over here, like dying inside and and she's living living the life take naps with her cute dog every afternoon um so when that happens i think it is a reminder to me to one um spread some of that joy that i have to help other people and look you can't you can't do anything with with, with the joy that you give they might just reject it they might not want it they whatever um it's it, it's it feels like a responsibility to me to spread some of that joy to spread some of that light and to remember that you don't know everyone that's watching that you might be an example for a younger teacher that's really struggling right now and they're just watching you like not be so caught up in all of the madness and and still are experiencing like a far better school year than most teachers i think that that's important to remember that you don't know you we never really know who's watching all the time um i, I just think that's worth noting uh yeah so it's funny because the other day i walked out of a meeting um like i always do if i don't think that's of value so we had a two-hour meeting i stayed for the first hour and then i left and um the kids found out about it and they were like yo reynolds so the kids have a meeting tomorrow uh and they go, do we have to go to this meeting? We don't want to. And I said, yeah, I have to go to the meeting. And they're like, why? You don't go to your meetings. And I was like, bro, what? How do you know about that? And, and, <laughs> and it, like, who are you talking to? And they're like, one of the teachers told us that you you left a meeting yesterday. And I said, oh, yeah, I said I did. And they were like, what? Why? And I said, because I didn't feel like, and I, I, had, I did have an appointment. I had an appointment for 30 minutes. And then uh, that was scheduled two months ago. But then I just didn't want to like go back for the rest of the meeting because I was getting texts on how silly it became. And so I just didn't go back. And the kids were like, well, why do we have to? So it became a really good learning experience. Um, and we had a real conversation around it. But um, I choose largely not to get caught up in a lot of the things that some of the teachers get caught up in in school. And that's not a diss to anyone. It's it's really, it's a level of experience, I think, um, where you've just been like, dude, look, when there's four of us in our school that have been here this long, it's like, like I've, I've been to this meeting 50 times in my life. I really don't want to ride another one out. So yeah. So you just keep doing you. You're awesome. And uh, just spread some of that joy and know that you don't know who's always paying attention. What you got, pal? All right. Our next question comes from our buddy, Stephanie. Um, how slash when do you plan 
what that time gets taken away from you in assorted ways. Our PLC meetings are also a joke of red tape. I'm trying harder this year not to take as much home with me. For me, Steph, it, the taking it home with you is such a hard part. It's easier for me to show up to school without bringing home with me than it is for me to show up home without bringing school with me. And I think that's because home's a safer place. And um, it's a place where you can look, let your guard down. Can I talk about you after we got married real fast? Oh, yeah. So like after we got married, um, Jen, I had never, the not so secret wife had never experienced uh, depression. Well, not that on you that know. level. Yeah. She got severely depressed after we got married. Um, and that, you know, and I, and this is like the time in your marriage where you're just like, it's everything's everything's magical. It's like rainbows all over. We're just loving each other. Even though we've been together for a decade, it was like a resurgence (laughs) of love and, uh, and magic. And then she spoke to a therapist who said like, yeah, this happens because you, when you're finally married, you go, my wife had this very tumultuous upbringing. And then we finally get married and they were like, you now have the safe space. And when you have the safe space, you have a safe space to crumble. And so you're crumbling right now and then you have to rebuild yourself. So it was like this thing of like, it wasn't like, I felt some type of way about it because I was like, you're like, what did I do wrong? Um, We're supposed to be in love and I'm feeling all lovey. And it was in fact um, a place of honor really, because, you know, she felt safe enough that she could crumble in that moment. And then we kind of worked through that, both of us. So I think some of that is that. Steph, one of the other things I do is like, um, I am real guarded about who I, how I am driving home. I try to really even be mindful of how I drive. I try and be mindful of um, the music I listen to, the podcast I listen to. So sometimes I'll listen to funny stuff on the way home. One of my favorite podcasts is Smartless with Jason Bateman. Uh, is hilarious podcast to listen to on my way home. Um, sometimes I, so I have this other thing that I do where I, I pray before I go through most doors in my life. Um, and that, and you could do your own version of this. It could be like you saying um, positive, like self-affirming things to yourself or about your life or practicing gratitude. For me, it's just a quick prayer before I walk through like, and not any door, like I'm not walking through from my dining room to my kitchen saying a prayer unless I'm really angry. But it's like before I walk through my school doors, before I walk into my classroom, before I walk into my house, before I walk... Um, into a meeting. Um, it is, it's a reminder to me where I'm constantly doing this thing. And that, that has great value to me because it's, it's setting my intention for whatever I'm walking into. So things aren't necessarily happening to me all the time, but I'm, I'm, I am, uh, on offense going into this and, and that helps me. All right. Miss Gonzalez is up next and she's asking, do you have any tips for the three weeks between breaks to keep kids engaged. Also, I just wanted to say thank you and CJ for your not to see your, Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for the kind words. Thank you. Um, I am always enamored at whatever in the world this profile picture is with the schoolhouse rocks. It's like, is that a drawing? Did she make that? Now she's going to email you that. Picture. I know. I really want, I, I see it every week and I'm just like, what's going on? Over there? It's hard to tell what it is in that tiny square. No. Uh, so I, what I try to do is look, it's not for if, even if you're new, right? So let's just take this from a new perspective too. the three weeks between Thanksgiving break. If you're here in the U S uh, otherwise known as Thursday to everyone else in the world 
and um, winter break, right? So whether like whatever your kids are celebrating during that time, it is important to remember that um, some kids are really excited. And so they're going to be on 11 and some kids aren't excited because they don't, they know that two weeks at home is the worst. They know they're not getting for Christmas what they wanted to get. They know that their family doesn't get along or dad is not with us this year for some reason, or mom is with us or someone died and it's our first year alone. Like there's so much pulled into that, that makes the holiday seasons filled with anxiety and, and sadness for so many people. So whether you're dealing with super excited Tim, who knows he's getting a PS5 this Christmas and is so excited, or you're dealing with, you know, like other Tim who like knows that, you know, he's getting canned food from the food drive and like mom doesn't make enough money to do this and dad's not around and my family hates each other and we don't even go anywhere and we just sit at home on Christmas. You could deal with that kid too. It is, I think, important to... um I don't put that much. I I used to think about decorating my room for Christmas and I no longer like, and I really wanted to, I still really want to do it. I just wanted to look like Snoopy's doghouse and be absurd. Uh, look like buddy. The elf came to school. You just but made I, Maisha's heart happy when you said you wanted to look like Snoopy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I, but I no longer do that. I don't put emphasis on the holiday season because I don't want um, kids to, that might be having an adverse Thing. That, that's why I celebrate. We celebrate Groundhog's Day in my classroom. That's like my favorite holiday of the year. It's so absurd. But um, so that's one thing is like being mindful of how much you are accentuating a specific time of year. It's also a time to just keep your eye out for kids and see who might need extra care. Uh, we call them extra grace required EGRs. Uh, and it's also a time where I try and keep lessons mini. So there's not something that's going to like I, when we leave for winter break, there's nothing we're coming back to. I try my hardest. I want to start on something fresh when we come back in January because I don't want kids to have to carry over. I don't give lessons. I don't give over break. I don't give homework over break. I don't give projects over break. I think it's mean. Um, you can do what you want, but I just think that's like, no, we're on break. You should be on break. I want to be on break and I'm not taking anything home. So you shouldn't either. Um, the other thing is like, it's mini lessons. So like for us, we are trying to finish, we're trying to finish a play, but then we'll probably have a week before break kicks. And I want to have like a lesson every day. That's like beginning to end mini lesson, mini story article, something like that. So that it's like just for today, what do you need to get done so that you can get, so that you're learning, you're growing, we're getting to where we need to get to. Uh, but you're also able to put in grades that aren't um, that are short and sweet. I think that that's, that's kind of how I focus on that. Yeah. Our next question comes from Deanna. Um, I start with a new district tomorrow. I'm excited and nervous. Need storage hacks, zero storage in my new classroom. Oh, first of all, can we just shout out Deanna Owens? <laughs> Does she even realize that it's Because it's almost there? the Christmas season and she made me this lovely Christmas ornament that hangs right next to my desk. Um, so then I'll go on the tree. <laughs> her and her army of boxers that she has at her house. Uh, so I, you know, when I think about storage, um, I try and think about things that, uh, that are like, I can get a multiple uses out of. So like, um, I 
let's assume you have money and then let's play the game where we assume you don't have money for this. If I assume you have money, I would go to Ikea. I think Ikea storage is by and large the greatest ever. Like we just redid our kitchen with all Ikea cabinets and I can't even tell you, like it's preposterous, right? Yeah, like the they're, amount of... they're just brilliant, but not everybody has an Ikea around and their shipping to shop online is not... Yeah. That is great. You have to have an IKEA. Right? But it's even worth a trip if it's an hour from your oh, house. Oh, absolutely. 100%. Yeah. yeah. Or even, I mean, if you're in Texas, it's two hours is the same as 20 minutes is in Philadelphia. It's potentially still worth it. I love IKEA. Um, yeah. I mean, your mom drives two hours to go to a Target. Uh, That's true. An hour and a half. She's like, it's only two hours away. And I'm <laughs> an just like, <laughs> well, the way she drives. Um, <laughs> but uh, so that's that's one. I think like you know, somewhere like the container store or something like that is the best. If you don't have money, I, I look for stuff on, I think Facebook marketplace, even more than Craigslist. Craigslist is a little bit, Craigslist is like the, the yard sale of the world. Whereas Facebook marketplace is like a fancy flea market. Um, I like that for the same stuff. Uh, I, I try and look at things like, um, how can I repurpose these things? So like in my room behind my desk, I have this absurdly large, uh, plywood box that I made. And then I bought all kinds of cool containers for it. And then I laid out how they were going to line up and stuff. And then I just made the wood fit. So it's all custom behind my desk. Um, I like that because it just is fun. But I also love like those carts that they sell at Ikea or Target where it's like three tiers on them and you can put your markers and stuff like that on there. Um, I like toolboxes. If you have a Harbor Freight near your house, like toolboxes are awesome. And you can get like one of those, um, I thought of this, at Harbor Freight, I was thinking this the other time we, when we were there the other day, they have like the mechanics have these toolboxes that have like, I don't know, like 20 or 30 drawers on them. And I just thought, man, I'd love to pull that out and just have all of my stuff organized in there. It would be so sick. And uh, I, I go tall too so like i'll i'll have storage all the way up to my ceiling like if i was if i i've really been thinking about this a lot if i knew i was going to be teaching for the next 20 years i would start outfitting my classroom so it was like to the to the t like i don't do junk drawers like every place that i store stuff is like cordoned off and things are glued in place and hot glued in place and labeled outlined. and outlined yeah it's like everything is just like has a spot and so I find that you save a lot of room and then get rid of everything you're not using. Have some sort of deep storage in the school basement, in your basement somewhere where it's like, these are things I haven't used in years. I get rid of all that crap. And then I'm only making space for the things I'm using right now. Our next question is from John Fox. Um, question, new teacher recently started and is really negative and will ask slash say things that that blame the kids for random stuff. Can't avoid her since she's a part of my grade team. How would you respond to her? Look, I, John, I, can you get me a glass of water? Can I bother oh, you yeah. for that? Um, I'm dying. <laughs> uh, I'm dying of thirst. The, I, you know, the only way I really ever figure out how to deal with folks like that, John, are one, um, trying to help. But if they don't want help, right? Like, so some people are like negative and they just like feel they're just fed up because they feel like no one cares or is listening to them and they don't know what to do. The flip side of that is people are, um, they're just, that's just how they operate. It's like how they live their life as negative. Um, I am just either, I just either ignore them. Like I, so I used to do, um, there's this thing 
one of my heroes, Pat Croce, used to be the owner of the Philadelphia 76ers, used to talk about giving people the sonic boom hello. And I've talked about this, talked about it in my book, um, where you say hi to someone and they don't say hi to you back. So the next time I see them, I just give them a hi that's so loud. It's so in your face and not obnoxious, but it's just like un, undeniable that you either have to say hi back or it is or it is very clear that you don't want anything to do with me. So it's, I used to just do that. Now I err on like, if you don't want to bang with me, if you're going to be miserable, like I just ignore you. I just move on to the next thing. And it's like, if, you, if that's where you're going to live, right? It's all right if that's like stepping stone or if that's where you are for the moment or you're vacationing in, in Sadville. Um, I know I've certainly done that. Um, but if you want to live in Sadville, bro, I don't even know what to tell you anymore. Like, and, and, and you're like, like on purpose, you moved there. You like got a realtor and looked at houses in Sadville and then you, you're staying there. Then I don't have time for that. Like not everybody's my assignment. And so I, I just move on with my life. Um, I say a quick prayer for them. And then I, I go about my, my business uh, and just make sure that I'm looking out for kids that they are maybe trying to get in trouble or that something's happening here. Cause that will happen. Right. Like they, like I have a kid this year um, that has gotten more detentions. He's never gotten a detention in his whole high school career, but like he got a number of detentions this year because there's a particular teacher that like he keeps getting in trouble in their class. And it's always for, I think, dumb stuff. Um, and so it's like, when I hear that he's a detention, I just tease him about it. Or I like, like give him like extra love, extra attention and um, remind him that I think he's a really great dude. And like, we try and talk through how he might better handle these things in our class and things like that. But um, there's not ever anything you can do about it. And if they don't want to do something about it. Our next question comes from John. Um, how much do you talk in class versus students talk? I have a goal to get students talking and interacting more. I've heard it said, whoever is talking the most is learning the most. Your thoughts? Who? I, don't, I have a I have a couple kids in class, John, that talk all the time, and I don't think they're learning anything. So I mean, uh, it could be, <laughs> it could go either way. Uh, I do think there's something to, um, you know, I got an observation recently, and one of the things that my principal put in there was that. Um, when we were, we were reviewing for something and I was sort of like, after I gave the kids, it was, a, I think we did a cahoot. And after each question, I explained why the answer was the answer that it was. And he said, it might be interesting to have the kids do that explanation. And then we think for a moment, like, yeah, like if someone knew what the answer was, that would be a good time for them because, you know, we, we learn by teaching. So like for them to sort of like teach or remind their, their classmates why this is done so that they are then learning also. I think there's some value in that. Uh, I, I try not to talk. I don't do lectures at almost at all. And if I do them, they're very divided up. So the other day we learned about the Globe Theater. We went outside, talked about it, came inside, took guided notes on it. Um, I was the one talking most of the period, but even in that I was trying to make it dynamic. Um, but I do try to get the kids to talk a ton. And, and so my talking is usually either to facilitate that conversation, to set that conversation up or to conclude that conversation. So that is what I'm doing or to like push back, um, to get kids to dig a little bit deeper, to say a little bit more. But I do think that 
there's a huge amount of value because then kids feel like they're a willing participant in their own education. They're not just like being poured into, they're actually, they're exchanging uh, ideas, thoughts, feelings. And, and I think that that's wonderful. So yeah, more talking on the kids part, uh, I think. All right, our next question comes from Declan. It says, hi, I'm a student teacher. I absolutely love teaching, but the amount of planning we have to do is making me physically ill. It's so stressful. Um, and slash so much. How, how do I cope with this? And does it get better? Yeah, so it does. Because what you end up doing is just, um, I mean, some of us, like I've been teaching, I've been teaching ninth grade English since I started teaching. Um, now I've taught different levels. I've taught different books. I've taught at different schools. And then I've also taught, like I taught senior English at one point. I taught juniors. I taught soft. Actually, I don't think I ever taught juniors. I taught I sophomores. Yeah. Sophomores. I've taught different electives. I've taught like there's been a lot of different things I've been a part of. Um, I think that it is about finding. So what you end up doing is finding ways that you best teach and ways that the great the student that that you're teaching are best learning. So it doesn't take me a lot of time to to lesson plan now, but that's also because I poured over it. Now, look, there is going to be a disproportionate amount of work on your part now because you're your student teaching. And even in your first one, two, I'd say one through three years, basically. Um, but you'll never stop planning because you always want to stay relevant. I think the best piece of advice I could give you is to not recreate the wheel. Um, it is, I think new teachers often, I say this knowing full well that I've done it and that I work with teacher, new teachers all the time on this, that new teachers will try and they're trying to think of a way it's never been done. Right. It's like, it's like, let's recreate this wheel. How can we, how can we get from here to there? And it's like, no, why don't you just take other people's stuff and then figure out a way that you're going to do that. We don't learn how to play music by playing our own music. We learn how to play music by covering other people's music. You play Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. You play Mary Had a Little Lamb. You're learning songs from the Beatles. You're learning songs from Nirvana. You're learning whatever it is. You're taking this music and then you turn out a way to make that yours, right? So any band that I've ever been in um, has is like uh, is like this combination of all the influences we've ever had. Like no one makes it truly new like how many times you see a new movie right and i'm not even talking about like when they just reboot stuff or when they like it's so obvious that you were just ripping off from this other movie but like one of the things i love about stranger things is this sort of like beautiful collection of like all of these movies that meant so much to me in the 80s and then they that you can see the inspiration um coming through that so i think get inspired by other teachers and think Oh, this is a great lesson. How can I make this my own? And then you sprinkle your own magic on it. There's you get no extra credit for doing your own thing and making something out of nothing. Kids don't care. They just need to learn. So what's the best way? If someone already figured out best practices to do it, then just do that. And then um, figure out a way. Like, again, when I say sprinkle your own magic on it, it's like, okay, well, how can I make this the best thing for me or for my students or for this level or for this grade or for these particular kids in this class that are, are this kind of bunch? Um, how can I make it for them? But I think that's it is you're just adding the special sauce, man. Like everybody, 
you know, loves spaghetti sauce, right? But it's like everyone's grandma made it different because they just, it's still spaghetti sauce. At the end of the day, it's friggin' pasta with red sauce on it. Like, but what did your grandma do to make it special? Um, and for some of you, what they do make it horrible and then learn those lessons too. Cause some grandmoms don't make good spaghetti sauce. To be honest with you. Like Mrs. Ragu, she did not do a good job. Per you, somebody likes it out Listen. there. It's a whole company. Yeah, I know. Okay, our ne next question comes from Anthony. As a teacher, have you ever taught the IB and dual enrollment classes, or do you have to be a different type of teacher for those types of classes in high school? Uh, what's IB mean? Uh, I don't. All I know, IB I is like International Baccalaureate. Like, isn't that? Or I don't. Isn't isn't that what like keeps um, the teacher teaches uh, at an IB school? maybe or is that not what this is i don't know and sure. i don't think you need i don't think so like i i teach all i teach co-taught classes where i teach the majority of my students have like severe learning disabilities to moderate learning disabilities um there's a handful of kids in there that get roped in that have no learning disabilities and just happen to be in that class because of scheduling or something um i've taught small group classes and i have no special ed training um, all, other than the training I've done myself and learned through my own kids. Uh, I've taught honors classes. I've never taught, um, what am I thinking of? What's above honors is, uh, AP, AP. but, um, but I don't, I think there's a slight learning curve for that, but I don't, I don't know if you have to be certified to do that. Uh, so I don't, I don't think so. I'm wondering if any, Hey, if anybody in here, um, can help Anthony, uh, and Anthony's profile pictures that per, you can see it on the screen right now. It's a, uh, in a purple background. If you can answer his question or give him some further information or a contact point, like to ask that question, I really appreciate it. Cause I don't, that's, I'm, I'm a little bit stumped. Um, so Anthony, what you're going to do now is you'll probably see people coming through and answering questions for you or asking follow up questions. Um, and that's how we roll because I don't know the answer to everything all the time. But, uh, but luckily we are surrounded by, you know, ton of people that, that do know the answer to that. Um, our next question is coming from Jess. Sorry, I have to scroll to it. You take your time. Do you need me to sing? No, you should take a drink of water. Oh, okay. Here's to you. Look at this new, look at this hoodie I got for my birthday. I'm really excited about it. It's like old Eagles colors. Um, which I like. I don't like the new Eagles colors. All right. Our next question is coming from Jess Small. She says, at a parent at parent conferences, some parents were concerned with reading levels when at point their student is above level. When I looked back at last year's data, they were below. How do I keep this momentum? Uh, gosh, I think you just keep doing what you're doing i mean how do you keep the momentum is like look something must be you're doing something right um i think it's about identifying what it is that you're doing right what are you how are you getting there um i i think that if we talk about keeping momentum in anything in class it's about making sure that you are showing up at your best you are constantly thinking of best practices and then you're you know I, I, let me say this jess and this might not be exactly what you're asking but I think that sometimes we find things that are going to separate us from the pack, right? We're like the whole school is like this, but our class is kind of like this, right? And that in a good way, right? Like, like the class that, like Maisha said, like maybe the school's falling apart. Um, but a lot of times I feel like my classroom is an exception to that. I'm not the only one, right? But by and large, 
uh, I have to constantly hold a mirror up to my kids' behavior and say, look, we're not doing this. I see what we're doing. And I know that we do this in these other classes because I've heard about it. I've heard that teacher talk about it. We don't do that in here. In here, it's different. In here, it smells good. In here, the lighting's different. In here, the environment's different. In here, we behave different. Um, so we're here to learn. And if you're not here for that, then you have to figure out something. We have to figure out a plan for you. But like in here, this is just what we do. And then instead of feeling bad about that, instead of like looking at it and being like, I'm not sure what's going on here. Um, and I realized that this wasn't necessarily your question. I just want to pour some gasoline on that fire. We do just that. We figure out a way to pour gasoline on the fire. So maybe we're not even keeping up that momentum. Maybe we're taking it up a notch and saying, damn, if we could do this, what could we get to? Right. What, how far could we go with this? How, how good could this be? And then going for it without ever feeling bad of your awesomeness. Uh, because next year it might not be like that. Next year it might be more difficult. But you're so you're practicing all these ways now that you're going to pull into next year and the year after that and year after that and then talk to other teachers and and to get everyone on you know or give other people the opportunity rather than do well. But um, yeah, so just I think it's looking at what's working and why is it working and then pour gasoline on that fire. All right, are we ready? I'm ready. Okay, this is a big one and it's got multiple ones. Uh, Anna is asking, she says, recently moved from Maryland to Minnesota, and I am oh. navigating race in a different way. Previously, I was a minority as a white teacher. Now I navigate conversations on race every day. Oh, in Minneapolis. Still Minnesota. Oh, <laughs> hold on. I got to find the next one. There is a lot of joking about race at my school that I find so strange and hard to navigate. Black students calling out each other for being racist and calling out white students for being racist. Um, filming it, putting it on TikTok seems to be a funny joke rather than having a serious conversation about racism, bias, whiteness, etc. Coming from a school where I was the one white teacher, I had to have very difficult internal conversations on race. Now I have to negotiate them between students, very difficult. PS, PS relatives and siblings of people who have been killed by cops are at her school, are in her classes in school. All right. So, man, this is a huge question. Um, and I can answer it as far as I can answer it, but I, I can, I'm, I'm going to speak to it, but uh, this is a big conversation. I think there's a level of speculation that I need to do here also, but it's like based on stuff that I've seen before. I think sometimes when things that are difficult are happening in the world, it is important for young people to figure out what to do with the thoughts and feelings that they have about those situations. Sometimes they make good choices and they make uh, about how they're going to express their feelings and how they're going to express their views and, and how they feel about it. And then there's times when they don't do a good job of doing that. Um, I have historically been on the side of um, making things funny to make them less hurtful, right? This is the thing that I've done in my life. Like, so like when I get, when I feel awkward, um, I, I laugh and really quick, sort of like almost in comparison, it's silly. Uh, example of this is my wife's grandfather died. He was in the Navy. Uh, whenever I go to to funerals, I get like this kind of like, I don't know, I don't know, like thing I'm very, I'm emotional. Um, and so like, I tend to just like laughing as my, one of my releases, her grandfather was in the Navy. They had a man come up and they said, can we bring 
Tom up to lead us in the Siemens prayer. Well, bro, like I lost <laughs> it. Like I didn't even know there was something called a Siemens prayer. And now you just said semen and I'm already feeling like, like I have the mentality of a 14 year old anyway. So I, I couldn't stop laughing and I didn't even want to, like I was embarrassed, but I like could not hold it in. And then where the casket was, the door to leave was right next to it. So to leave, I'd have to walk right by everyone. It is still mentioned to this day when we're at family <laughs> gatherings. Remember when CJ, remember when he laughed during at grandpa's funeral during the Siemens <laughs> prayer? And I'm like, still, still, I can feel it on myself getting giddy about it. Um, so I think some kids make jokes out of things because they don't know what to do with the hurt. Or they don't know what to do with the seriousness. And, and it's, it's that. I think some of it is, you know, when we talk about things like white fragility, I think that some of it has to do with this idea of, um, of I'm going to, I'm going to make this funny because then I don't have to hurt. I don't have to think about it. I don't have to be a part of the problem or part of the solution. Like, I'm just going to like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to make it so serious. So I'm going to do this thing. I think there's other pieces in there where, you know, I, I've had a lot of students this year for some reason, they keep talking about white power. They keep talking about, they keep saying the N word with the hard R on the end um, and calling one another that and stuff. And so there's, there's so many pieces wrapped up in this. Here's the other thing that I think, here's the thing that I think is, is kind of magical about this moment in history. I really think that it's something special that we're, this is even being talked about. This is like, even if it's, even if it's not good, right. It is a thing that like, if a black child calls someone out for being racist, right? I'm not here to say if they were right or wrong, but like when in history were people even allowed to say something like that? So to me, it's about having these conversations with students and just noting you're not putting them on blast. You're not necessarily, you don't have to teach them stuff all the time. You're opening up clear lines of communication in a safe space and addressing things and facilitating conversations where kids can express their thoughts, feelings, and ideas in a place where, Someone can push back. Someone can ask questions. People can grow and learn together. And then I think that takes on that that becomes a very special place um, because right now it kind of feels like nobody knows what to do with this. So we're going to make decisions and I'm going to record you and put you on TikTok as if that's going to answer anything or get us anywhere or whatever. But it's like, how how can we and I think I think this is a this is a teaching moment. too. This is like teachers need to come together and talk about this, formulate some sort of plan or idea, and then um, create these spaces for kids to have real, meaningful conversations that are not damning, that are practicing active listening, that are really unpacking a lot of these sort of bias and, and things that people are feeling. Because look, whether, and look, whether or not you even believe in, let me just say this, like to, to, to some folks that might be out there, whether or not you believe in things like white fragility, um, in privilege, in things like that, it doesn't, it doesn't matter if we believe in them, right? It matters what our students are going through and if we can help them navigate what they're going through, right? So, I mean, like, that's probably some unpacking you need to do uh, definitely on your own. But like, if just because I don't believe in something, just because I don't think something's true, just because I don't think something's actually going on in this, in a specific space, if my kids are dealing with it, I'm dealing with it. Right. If our kids are going through something, we're going through it. If my kids are thinking about learning about watching something, learning something from somewhere else, I need to be in the know 
so I can help them unpack that. And then it's my job as an adult to be the most healthy human being that I possibly can. So I can walk through this with my kids um, from a place of like, I'm not bringing, like, I want to be as, I, I just want to be the best version of myself to even walk through that with kids. So I think that that starts from the top though. Like that should be something the superintendent is in on and the principal's in on and like um, social workers are in on and other teachers are in on and we are working on something together. But if you're in a school where that can't happen, it's your job to make your classroom the space where we're not doing this. Yo, we're not doing this. Like we're going to, we are going to, um, we're going to create the space in this polarized nation that we're now in where it's like we are canceling one another out immediately nope we're going to bring this together we're going to have a real conversation about this and we're going to look at what it looks like to have real conversations with one another it looks like what it shows looks like to show empathy to show sympathy to show um act, to actively listen to someone else without thinking about what you want to say next i think that's part of where this starts um and that's one of the best lessons you could ever give your students all right, a couple more questions. We're going to get hit Zachary over on Facebook is asking, how do you balance high expectations with students, student performance? I teach at, I teach in, at a level freshman into intro into chemistry class and students this year are having a more difficult time with content and long-term retention. Yeah, it's because everyone's been on TikTok for the last year and a half and they have a two second uh, retention or like uh, attention span, uh, which is real. That's, that's real been doc that's been yeah. documented. Yeah. And it's two seconds. That's but that. I think social media in general has done that. Not yeah. just, not just TikTok. Yeah. I'm not going to blame just TikTok. <laughs> no, I, I see it in myself. Um, Me too. that, uh, so I think Zach, it is, let me add to that. Because we're also as a country talking a whole, as a world talking a lot about learning loss. Right. So there's this there is in in our current school, my school, there is this push of like, we're not just going to get kids up to where they were going to be. We, we want to excel. We want to have the best test scores. We want to be like at the best of our game. And it's like we it's it's almost like the world went from not exercising for a year and a half. And then we're like, we're going to get kids to run an ultra marathon, bro. What? We can't even have kids that can run a 5k right now. These kids can't bench press the bar, let alone put some weights on the end of it. Um, like things have atrophied. And I think that we have to be real about that and careful about that because if we push kids too hard, they're going to break. So I think it's about figuring out a baseline of where your students are now, and then having a sense of where they should be and then doing what we can to bring those kids up. And that's going to look different for every child. And I realize in public school setting, we can't, um, you can't like individualize lessons to that degree where every single kid has like basically their own curriculum and their own way they're going to learn and stuff like we have to, but we can, but we can still um, diversify the way that we're going to do it. We can still like, uh, sort of divvy it up into, and, and so that everyone is learning to the best of their ability, given the circumstances. And I think that's where we land. I mean, I've said it a million times, but Zach, education is only ever about the students. And what that means is it's not about test scores. It's not about what the admin thinks. It's not about your review at the end of the year, or in the middle of the year, your observations, where other teachers are. Um, it's not about any of that crap. It's about meeting kids where they are, and helping them to get up to where they can be. And that is the bottom line of what I'd look at. And then know that long-term, are, are kids going to see 
um, the effects of having this last year and a half be what this last year and a half has been? Probably. Um, can we do our best to minimize that? Yes. Are we the be all end all in this year of school to be able to fix that? No, it is. It is a work in progress. It is, I think, equipping kids with um, the tools and tactics that they need to get to where they, that level of success they want to be um, over the long term. That is not a fast fix, um, in, especially when we're living through something so unique that no one's lived through anything quite like this. Yes, there have been pandemics before. Yes, there have been a number of the things that have been going on in, in the last few years happening in our country, in our world before, but not anything quite like this where we were still learning, but we were on Zoom. The kids are still learning, but they're learning on a computer. Um, nothing like that has ever been there. And so I, I just think that's a unique time and we need to think about it in a unique sort of way to help kids find success. I think meet your kids where they are, help them to get to where they need to be, that's it, man. And work as a community over the long term to help students find success. We're good. All right. So um, we are we're going to cut it off here, but that's really just because one, the Eagles game's on, and two, that's when I spend some of my Brody time. Um, and uh, yeah, so look, gang, um, if you are not already connected to this, there is uh, we do a newsletter that we put out. We used to put out every month, um, and then health problems on our team and and my own ability to get stuff done. It, it just kind of comes out whenever it comes out, right? It's just like, it just shows up. I um, swear, one, we will one day get on a real- It'll be, it'll be, it's coming. We're working, um, we're a tiny team. So this week, I believe, I think the newsletter is going to come out. I have it, it's all done and everything. It's even on YouTube, but I just, it's a video that I put out every month that just kind of lets you know, like some of the things I'm doing to keep my head above water, to, to, to thrive or survive. Um, and like going to my, to my magical dunk tank that I went to the other night, my sensory deprivation, uh, float tank, and it was magical, but, uh, I'm always trying new stuff and doing weird stuff so that I can hopefully shed some light on some things I can, you know, direct you towards. So that's what we're talking about, uh, in this week's, uh, in this month's newsletter. Um, and that's it gang. If there's anything else that we can do for you, please come over to real rap with Reynolds. Um, uh, you can go to the website right here. Uh, realrapwithreynolds.com to find all kinds of resources and things like that. You can also follow us on social media, or you could just go over to the Facebook group, which is uh, it's 98% awesome over there still. Every once in a while, there's some wacky stuff that goes on in there, but by and large, is a great place to find teachers that are trying to be the teachers like you are. Um, and that's it, gang. Uh, see you next week. Go Eagles. <laughs>